Guys. Yo. What's happening? What up? You, know, you want to hear something funny? Can you guys can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. So I have a 21-year-old daughter, and I said, you got to listen to these guys. She never listens to me. She never listens to me. I said, you got to hear them. I asked her and her best friend. They're listening. They're watching right now. And I sent them, I sent them a whole bunch of songs, and she's like, oh, my God, I really like these guys. That's awesome. Oh, my. Is, is that still a good feeling today when you hear, like, somebody? That's the best feeling. Does it mean anything? Does it mean, is it any different today than it was two years ago, a year ago, three years ago? No, it's, it's the same. I feel like that feeling never, it's like that feeling never gets diminished. I was, well, hold on. Let me, let me start over. So I'm, I'm Brett. So you, your fans know who I am. I own a bunch of liquor brands. I don't know if you've ever heard of my past brands, Ace of Spades, Doucet, my current brands, Bel Air, Bamboo. I get yeah. to do this. I started this interview series a few years ago called Self-Made, where I get to interview cool people in music and sports, in acting, business, who I want to hear the up-and-coming part of their story. I don't like the success side, because I think everyone just sees that part, but they don't know how you got there. And uh, But I start off the same way every time for both of you, when I ask the question, uh, Nick and Rob, what does Self-Made mean to you? I mean, to me, that's like being your own boss. Nobody, you know, you're in control of your, your own destiny. Um, you know, being able to dictate what you want to do day in and day out. Nobody telling you what to do. Rob, how about you? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think having the ability to kind of, you know, decide our own schedule and work on what we like, what we want to work on and do the shows that we want to do is like, it just having everything in our control and, um, having like that is like what for us is like how you know i consider us being self-made and doing it on our doing it on our own merit and on, on our own work and i think that's like a lot to be said is you know we put in a, a lot of a work and hours and to get to where we are so i think like you know doing the work by with each other has, has gotten us to where we are so take that and the, one of the reasons i was excited to talk to you guys is usually i'm talking to one person you guys have to agree. You have to, you have to gel. How did you guys come together? How did that happen? I think that's what's the craziest thing about our particular situation. Um, we met through a mutual friend. We were both doing music in different ways separately um, out in LA. And uh, like I was working at a studio producing music for other artists and Rob was DJing parties in LA. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to a point in my life where I was like, I'm kind of tired of making music for other people because I can't control what they do with it. Like I can produce a song for somebody else, but what they do with it is up to them. So I, when DJing was blowing up and like these producers were blowing up online, I was like, yo, I, I'm gonna just, this is a way for me to put out my own music. I can get a singer, I can get somebody to come in, make it how I wanna make it and put it out on my own. And not have to worry, I can control my own destiny and control my own artistry. And so when I like realized that, I also, I just didn't know how to DJ. I knew how to make music, but I didn't know how to DJ. And that's where I met Rob. And uh, we met and we're like, you know, we talked a little bit about what we wanted to do. 
And uh, I, we met on his birthday at a party and I told him and then we met up the next night. He came to my house and I had a little studio set up in my house and we just like talked music. I played him some stuff I was working on at the time. We were making remixes and I was like, yo, I kind of have this vision. I kind of have this plan. Uh, you know, this is where I want to go with it. And we both agreed to like team up and we're like, yo, it's probably better with two of us than just one of us. So let's team up and do it together. And uh, we started working, but it's crazy because we started a friendship. We started a business. We started this brand, this music all at the same time. And rarely does that like ever work out. Like, because, you know, one part of that usually doesn't work out. Right, like, correct. And, and mixing friendship and business at the same time, you know how that goes. Like, that's always, always can be a disaster sometimes. So like the fact that it's worked out, it truly feels like as cliche as it is meant to be because, you know, we, we've worked for six years nonstop and we literally, I feel like, bounce off each other the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to ask, it's been six years now? Yeah. Six years, yeah. yeah. What was, um, Nick, you mentioned, because I'm curious, you mentioned you didn't like the fact that you created music for other people. Is it because you didn't like what they were doing with it? Meaning, like, your control I just felt, on it? Yeah, I just felt like I had a limited, I had limited power, limited control on, like, making something for somebody. I also was very controlled on, like, what that's supposed to sound like. Like, I didn't get, you know, it's, you're very dictated on what that artist wants. And that's a, you know, that's a good thing. I like making music when it, the time's right for other people, but... I, at that particular time and, and for six years now, have felt like we've been in the best position and this has been the best opportunity in music for, like, because you feel, I always have to adapt to whatever industry yeah. you're in. You might have yes. to adapt and find new paths yep. to be successful. And I feel like this was like the best of both worlds because producing, you know, when I was a young kid, I wanted to play in bands and play live instruments. And, so, and I played like drums, guitar, and piano. And I thought I was going to be in a band, but... Then when I started producing, I'm like, this is cool, but it's only behind the scenes. You're not getting that adrenaline rush of playing in front of a live crowd. And so doing this, it's like, we get to produce the music that we want to make, mm -hmm. kind of push dance music where we want to go, but we also get to play the shows as well. And we get to seek out artists that we want on the songs as opposed to an artist seeking out a producer telling you what they want their song to sound like. What was, what was the first, I have so many questions on this. What was the first, success that you guys had what what happened that that made things move forward so i think what really helped us in the beginning is that we both had kind of a knowledge of what we had to do to you know level up in like the dj producer world like um i was actually working in marketing at a radio station nick was working at a production school so we were used to like cold emails um yeah. and not afraid to hit anybody up when we first got started so what we did in the beginning is we would put out these remixes and then we would just have a laundry list of emails of, you know, managers, radio show hosts, like anybody who would give us a chance to listen. And we did this um, remix for Disclosure's Latch and we put out, you know, an email blast and we decided to email the program director at BPM, Sirius Satellite Radio. And he got back to us and was like, oh my God, I love this. And then two weeks later, uh, he emailed again. He's like, the song's going to play at 5 p.m. And one better is anytime we were going to play Latch, we're going to play your version of it. And it still plays till now. And this is when we had day jobs. So Nick and I are emailing like via our work emails 
like freaking out that you know our song is gonna be on the radio that night so like we went isn't it's kind of strange that that's six years ago yeah yeah but that's kind of old school when you think about it right oh right yeah it's it's you're talking a radio station you're not talking soundcloud and shit like that no it's it's really crazy how quick things have changed like just so fast you know that's like that mentality of like sending emails i feel like you know in six years ago isn't a long time ago like that's gone you know like it's like that whole mindset i feel like is gone so i think we were kind of like the last of that generation of like soundcloud so, people what was what was ne- what what happened next after that um it allowed us to play like i feel like what i was going to say is it was like there's two sides to it so like soundcloud we we were building up a following but that doesn't always translate into real fans and like yeah. fans that are going to come see you at a show or whatever and so um when i feel like the radio thing happened that really allowed us to really start playing shows like to becoming a, a more of a name and like being able to you know we we started doing you know we started to get calls from agents and like we started talking to managers and that really allowed us to kind of level up uh whereas we were just like you know like in this industry it's always like a manager will hit you up or agent or whatever oh i'm just gonna keep tabs on you guys to see if like you go anywhere on your own before i get involved but then it was like when that happened it sped the whole process up allowed us to start getting show offers um and and start making money making official remixes which allowed us to bigger you know grow our following get on spotify make money that way it just opened so many doors for us to speed up to it just sped up the process a little bit i feel like where it would have taken us a little longer if that wouldn't if that moment didn't happen was the goal was the goal did you did you try to decide you know what i we want to do shows first we want to put out music first. We want to do a collab for like, was there a goal that you wanted to get to first or you kind of let it breathe and then figure it out from there? Yeah, I think initially, cause the goals always change initially. Like I'd say my goal personally was like, let's, we got to get to original music. So it's like, these remixes are cool. Like this allows us to get fans uh, off the top because somebody's going to listen to a song. They know a remix of it versus us just throwing out like an original song of being a nobody nobody's gonna want to click on that sure. and listen to that um so it was like all right these remixes are cool we can make money doing this um from labels and stuff but let's get to that let's build up enough of a fan base to where we can have a foundation to put out an original song um because then we can start to tell our own story versus helping you know grow somebody else's story because it's kind of like what we we're talking in the beginning it's like yep. we do a remix for an artist a big artist we're just continuing to grow their brand yeah. you know it's like we're, just yep. Piggybacking. Yep. we're just piggybacking that so it's like how can we get to a point where we're telling our own story and then it was also to you know our first goal was to quit our full-time jobs yeah we, that were, was the- we were working nine to five and then making music from seven to two in the morning we were always late to work like i don't know how we didn't get fired sooner yeah. uh you know we worked for maybe a little less than a year we were at our day jobs and then we were able to quit and do it full time and that was like that was a big stepping stone in being able to just like be able to you know to be able to grow our brand and, and be able to did you both entirely. did you both quit at the same time yeah, right, right. Well, right. I got, to be fair, I got fired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, we were done. Like, Nick had just quit, and I was, like, trying to 
stay on through the new year, but we had shows down in like the Bahamas and I kind of got caught saying like I was sick and then people saw that I was in the Bahamas and that was the end of that. <laughs> but luckily, luckily we were already, you know, done and ready to move on. Yeah. Were you guys, was it, it, I'm assuming it wasn't like, you know what, we're making enough money, now let's quit. There's got to be that time lag where like, you know what, we got to, we can't do, we, you can't do both at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, work that yeah, way. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, you got to just bet on yourself at that point. Like, it was like, cool, we, we think we can make enough money. We have enough shit lined up, coming up, you know. We're like, we, I think we can do this, and we don't have a choice. There's things getting in the way. It's like playing shows. It started to get to a point where we're playing shows Friday and Saturday night, and then having to come back to a day job on Monday, working in an <laughs> office work. is like, yo, nah. like I can't be wearing a suit and tie yeah. and be just like, yeah. we just played like Vegas. Like, yeah. no, this can't happen. <laughs> yeah. Do you, Do you guys remember your first show? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Our first show was. Where was so the first our first show together was well we kind of did a couple shows but like the first real one was at this place called Sharky's in Hermosa Beach and it's like this little dive bar and um kind of going back to the cold email thing like we were hitting people up on Facebook who we knew worked at bars and like little clubs that we could maybe get in and so they gave us like a spot uh they used to do these parties on Sunday where like the day would turn into this like nighttime party we're like yeah we're not gonna pay you We'll give you some free drinks. And we went down there and like legitimately played like as hard as we could for like that one hour while people just ate tacos. Like nobody was ready. We were going ham. Um, but they brought us back. And then that kind of got, you know, let us get used to playing with each other and, and being on stage together. So um, it worked It worked out. Do, do you remember – I always get a kick out of this. I remember uh, – um... Uh, I don't know if you know the artist, A Boogie with the Hoodie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I interviewed A Boogie down in Dallas, and he was just breaking to become big, bigger. And he's and I was talking to him, and you could see in his eyes, he was all nervous to call downstairs to find out how many people were going to show up at the show. Because he doesn't – he's never been to Dallas before. He's never been to Texas. Right. He has no idea if he's any fans. Yeah, yeah. But he was blown away. They're there. Like, yeah. was there that kind of feeling? Like, do people actually fucking know us? Oh, oh, yeah. I, I feel like that feeling still happened. Like, this year, we kind of took a really big leap, like, pre-COVID and did hard ticket tours for the first I was time. Saying, last year, last year, we broke that. Last yeah. year, we broke that. We did two tours, broke that, that like, is there people going to be at the show? They, you know, the 2018 and prior, I feel like every show, we were like, are there going to be crossing our fingers? Are there going to be there? You know, oh yep. my god. Yeah, um, yeah. It's last year. I felt like we finally, and that was like a big goal. That was a major goal. I can't wait. Like we always used to say, I can't wait till we get to a point to where yep. no matter where we play, whenever we play, that we're gonna have fans there. And yeah. thankfully, we've gotten to that point. And like, was there something? Was there something that happened that that got you to that point, or just? You know, you just you, you you got to that tipping point where all of a sudden, you know what, it's happening. Yeah, I think we just got to that point. I think yeah. uh, we pushed our agents because we felt like we had a lot of younger fans that couldn't come to nightclubs. And with DJs and how agents approach, a D, approach DJs, I say, you got to be playing nightclubs all the time. And, like, yeah. we do love to play nightclubs. It's cool. 
but we were getting hit up by so many fans that are like, yo, I'm, I'm not 21 yet. I can't come see you. And we got to a point at the end of 2018 where we're like, yo, we, we have to do a venue tour where we can do 16 plus, 17 plus. I guarantee there's going to be people at the shows. And I can guarantee that everybody on our team doubted whether this was a good move or not. And we bet on ourselves to be able to do that. And we ended up selling out the tour. So like, you know, that was a moment where it was like, I knew if we did this, there would be people that show up. And sure enough, that was the case. Is, is that for me, for me, on even in my business, that's the hardest part is I have to follow where our where I think our consumer is, where everyone else is saying, no, 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 no. You know, you got to do it this way. This is the normal way. This is who you go after. But you're following the people who like you, and you know that it's going to work that way. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It is, um, it could, could, you pick your, could you pick your fans out of a lineup? I think, like, we have an idea of who listens to us, but then we always get surprised by even, like, people who like certain songs or, you know, we see singing in the crowd. is like, oh, my God, like, did you see, like, so-and-so singing or, like, we have some football player friends who like, you know, they'll get up on stage and are singing every song. Like, you know, it's like, it's weird. Um, so like, you can never be too sure who your fans are, but we're definitely getting an idea of like what our demo is for sure. It, uh, do you have uh, fans internationally? I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's, where's your biggest international fan base? Oh man. I mean, I mean, I, I feel like it's, pretty well spread out but when we just went to japan last summer <laughs> and that was like the first time where like you know even outside of the states like people recognized us in the streets knew our names like you know they messaged awesome. us message us on social media saying they saw us here or there which we were like kind of taken back because we had never been over there before so like we weren't we really didn't know what to expect and so like the you know, the welcoming arms over there was kind of mind-blowing to see, like, what type of effect our music has had, like, in places that we've never been. I would say, too, uh, we j just found out uh, our new song is trending on Shazam in Germany. So we've only played there once. Yeah, true. So, like, that was – found that out today, which I – Now, now would, if, we didn't, if we didn't have COVID, would you be going to Germany right now and being like, let's go after this? <laughs> I don't know about right now, but we'd definitely be going there uh to probably well we probably would have already went because i feel like a lot of the europe stuff is already uh you know it's like end of summer you know middle of summer like that's when we usually are going overseas so, so how did how did how did tell me about some of the collabs you've done which are awesome how, how did wiz come about we just asked he was like at the top like top of the list like he's just a legend and you know we i i mean i've always been a big rap music fan and uh he was always like a guy that I listened to. I mean, you know, and I thought he would be perfect for the song. The song was called Don't Kill My High. You know, we both smoke weed. And I know Wiz is like, he's like he's one the of the guys. He's one of the kings, bro. If there's a Mount Rushmore of weed smokers. It's That's right. He's on there. He's you know, on there. <laughs> so, like, yeah. so like he was obviously at the top of the list. And you just, you throw the ideas out there and you just never know if they're going to, they have to be into the song and want to do it. And he happened to, he happened to do it, and it was yeah. just like kind of had mind blowing. Had he heard of you guys? I, I'm not even sure. Like I don't know. And a lot of times, it's just like throwing up a prayer, hoping that you know maybe these guys get wind of the music. But 
uh, you know, I feel like when they hear it, they got to, you know, those guys are smart. They got, they know like, oh, hey, you know, if I like this song, well, I'm going to check these guys out and know if I want to associate my brand with theirs or right. my music with theirs. And, you know, he, he did. He came through for us. So I, I, that was just like to have those moments and have those collabs with him and ASAP and Ty, like Gashy, like all these guys, like it shows that we're doing something right. And like we've set out to make our music a certain type of way and and people are paying attention to it and want to be a part of it and that i think is the biggest testament to like what we're doing has it turned now where people are coming to you it has, it has. Can, we we want to do something with you what can we do together how can is it that's happening now yeah, yeah definitely. it's happening i is feel it, like over the i feel like ahead. over the last year like artists have sent us like ideas they're like hey you know, I wrote this, uh, would you want to do it? And instead, because sometimes the process is we're getting, we're working with writers and we, we write a song, produce it, and then we send it out to people that we want to cut it. But now we're getting songs sent to, um, you know, sent to us directly from artists that want to, you know, want us to do it. And that takes a lot of the, that process out of it, trying to find a feature where we can just work on the song, make it great with them and, and put it out. Is that a weird feeling? Like knowing they're coming, is it still, I don't know. I remember, I remember we used to get, uh, I tell this story, I would get checks in the mail from our distributors and I'd go to the bank and deposit them. And the fucking teller never looked at me. Like it was never enough. Like she'd never look at me. And I finally, I got like, the amount of checks was like $750,000 in deposits. And she finally fucking looked at me. Like that was a big moment, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, does it does it feel good knowing, like, man, it's happening. People are contacting us. We're, you know, it's it's coming a little bit easier now. We get to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your yeah. leverage is a big goal of mine. Like being able to have leverage, even with our own team, like, and people in the industry, because, like, you know, people want to tell you and give you their opinions and their thoughts on like what you should be doing. Yep. And how you should be making it. And that shit irritates me because like you're supposed to be a facilitator. You're not supposed to be somebody that's telling me creatively what to be doing. Like that's not how this shit works. And so that part of it, when we we're starting to reach, I feel like a point where people are paying attention and people are not, you know, letting us have more leverage on what creatively we should be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, like when it comes to making music videos, when it comes to, you know, a lot of people want to shoot down your ideas because they don't think you're ready. And it's like, well, no, you know, if you just believed us from the start, then, you know, cause they'll always come back around. Yeah. And that kind of shit's really annoying. Cause like, you know, it, cause well, it's easy to get affected when somebody shoots down your idea and they're just like, yeah, yeah, this isn't a good idea when you put so much time into it. And so to yep. see them like turn around so quick and be like, oh, it's actually good. It's like, you know, lucky we push through because, you know, it's easy to like kill someone's idea when you shoot them down so negatively. Correct. Well, I've got a fundamental view is I, I think my self-made thing is I, I want to be the one that fucked it up. I don't want anybody else to fuck it up for me. I want to be the fall guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Um, um, what was I going to ask? The, the, uh, what was I going to ask? I forgot. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to ask. So what, what's next for you guys? What's the next goal? What's the next, what do, what do you want to accomplish next? Oh man. It, oh. 
Well, it's tough. So we set out a, a lot of goals for 2020, obviously pre-COVID, and it was yeah. like doing, you know, getting Coachella and getting some of these EDC, these big festivals that we had never played before, um, and we got them. So that, those are like big notches, but now we have to push them to 2021. So I think one of the goals is now bettering our time slots in, in all those festivals, like with this music that we're putting out now, um, is really using this time to grow into 2021. Uh, we hadn't put anything out for a while. So now that we are, uh, and it's like everything is, we just never settle. So it's just kind of taking those next steps. Like, you know, we really wanted to play Coachella, but now we want to play Coachella at night. You know, we're taking like yep. incremental incremental steps in our career and just little goals. I think. For, I, I would, uh, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was just gonna say I think like the most important thing and the the larger goal is to like push dance music forward mm -hmm. because I, I it's just so many guys that have like stay you know gotten stagnant and people have this I feel like dance music is in like disarray right now. There's like so many things you know different genres and different things going on. And I think for us, like being at that top, top level of dance artists and being able to dictate what dance music should sound like is a big goal. You know, like we want to be like legends when it's all said and done and that we curated what should be played, or what should be dance music, you know? So when someone asks you, if I ask, what is your style? What's your answer? What's your genre of music? I, I to me I don't I always say no like we don't ever think of genres and I think that's like um kind of a problem when people think about music like are so quick to write off a certain genre but there's so many cross cross things happening with features and collabs more than there ever has and for us it's all about all about keeping it unpredictable and the emotion that we put into a song and into a production I feel like like I never work on music unless I'm feeling good just because I feel like in our environment, making dance music, it's all about feeling good. And it's all about helping people escape. And I feel like if I put a, the right energy into the production, people are going to, that energy is going to translate. Whether it's like a pop song, it's a dance song, it's a rap song, it's like whatever it is. Because I feel like blending the two and as much as we can keep it unpredictable, the more interested people are from song, to, from release to release. And so to me, it's so that emotion. Because when you listen to a song, you always remember that how you were feeling and what moment of time that was. When you go back and listen to music that you listened to growing up or through the years, like that's the biggest thing about music to me, not genres, because they come and go and trends come and come and go, you know? So when, when, when a label or someone says, you know what, do EDM, EDM's the big thing right now. What's your reaction to that? We don't listen. But even, I mean, again, um, uh, when it comes to music, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm a novice, but even listening to your music, what I like is every song is fucking different. Right. Like right, that's, yeah. a, I, I like that. Cause I'm not, it doesn't sound the same. It's a different, it's, it's all different. So even for you, Nick, to say, you know, dance music, I don't even think of your music as dance music. Like, yeah. like it's its own, each song I, is different. Yeah, and I just mean that in like a general sense. Like I think, you know, you saying that to me is like makes me feel the best on like and making me feel like we have we've uh, so far in our music have accomplished our goals because I, you know, I don't know like we didn't I didn't personally like start when I started producing music didn't start producing like electronic dance music. Like that I was just trying to make as 
the best music I could possibly make. And so that's really every time we approach a song is like, just how can we make this a, the best song it could possibly be? Mm -hmm. And we always start with a blank template, like just blank screen. Like, let's see how we can make something out of nothing and make it great and make people you know, make people uh, feel it. Like that's all I care about at the end of the day when we make a song. And that's why I think the beauty of us being producer artists is that we have the tools and the ability to use sounds and stay as creative as possible. If we were singers, we would obviously like, you know, we could sing on any type of track, but you're gonna recognize our voice. As producers, we have to really try even harder to make you, you know, feel like this is a Lost King song, but also at the same time, use every tool at our disposal to make it different and make it unpredictable. Yeah. So where did the name Lost Kings come from? Um, so we're both originally from the East Coast and moved out to LA uh, around the same time. And we just kind of felt like when you move out to LA, you get lost in the shuffle. Like, you know, I moved out by myself and so did Nick and, you kind of spend a year, you know, partying, not really knowing what you're doing and get lost. Um, so we both kind of had that same story, but we also had similar goals. And like, you know, even though we we got out here and kind of felt that way, we knew what we wanted to get accomplished. And it was kind of to be like, you know, kings of the, yep. our industry. So like Lost Kings, it just made sense for both of us. Who, who Has anybody been there for the past six years for you guys? Yeah, basically, like, our, our managers right now, you know, they've been with us since the first remix, honestly. Um, they were, like, they were one of the few few people that responded and kind of kept an eye on us. And then when, like, the radio stuff happened and everything, that expedited the process. But uh, them, for sure, they've been involved since almost day one. Can you, do you appreciate that, the fact that they've been there? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, uh yeah, they give us the ability to, you know, to, to discuss everything, I feel like, and have an open dialogue constantly on, like, what we're doing. Um, and they don't ever really restrict us. And they allow us, yeah. you know, they allow creative freedom, I think, is, like, one of the biggest things. So, and they've done that from the, from the jump. So, who's on that? Who's, who are some of your influences in music for both of you? Uh, for me, I'm, like, a big, I, grew up on punk rock, punk rock and rap and why I love like this emo rap shit that's happening right now. It's like kind of the blend of two genres that I really grew up on. But I'm a big Kanye guy, big Blink-182 guy. Um, yeah, uh, that's pretty like a lot of my, I like, like the love this guy, Ryan Leslie. He was like one of my biggest influences in the studio because he was one of those guys that could play every instrument. He'd walk up in the studio. He, had, he used to post these YouTube videos online. He'd just walk up in the studio play a keyboard, play the drums, you know, play a guitar. And, and I was like, yo, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to walk into a studio, play every instrument, lay it down and, and make a song. And that, that was like a huge influence on me. Rob, how about you? Yeah, I grew up like, so my mom was a huge alternative, like indie rock fan. So I grew up on like the talking heads and like the eighties rock. Oh, love the talking heads. Yeah. So they're like, um, I always grew up with that kind of background, but then like influences now is I always kind of reference this one story. I'm a huge Coldplay fan and uh, my dad worked in radio back in like 2000 and uh, he brought me to like one of their first shows and they 
were the nicest people ever, you know, during their blow up, like bringing people on stage, really making feel, making everybody feel like they were friends. And that's kind of something that, you know, that has always rubbed off on me to do what we do now is to keep that mentality. It's like, you don't get bigger than them, yep. um, you know, and, and how nice they were to just everyone um, is something that has always kind of stuck with me. So like in that type of influence, I always look to, to them because, uh, you know, the experience has still lasted with me till now. Very cool. All right. So, guys, before we go, I do something uh, right at the end. I'm going to ask you 10 questions. Give me one word answers, just word association. Okay. Right? Yeah. Gashi. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't have to give both. You don't both have to give an answer. Okay. Ty Dollar Sign. Okay. Ty Dollar Sign. Legend. Wait, what'd you say? Social house. Oh. Hi. Hi. <laughs> well, hold on. You may want to save that one for this one. Wiz Khalifa. Also high. Also high. All in conjunction. <laughs> higher. Higher. Yeah, higher. Higher. I like that. that, that I like music, that. That music video shoot was, was absurd. <laughs> yeah. It was absurd. Um, the 1975. Oh. My favorite. <laughs> Sway Lee. Done. Sway Lee. Small. <laughs> Short. <laughs> hey, hey, just on a side note, if you want to work with you were a fan of Sway Lee though, no? Oh, huge yeah. fan huge of Sway Lee. Yeah, yeah. I love Have you met him? Yeah. No, didn't it was super brief. Uh that show we played with Carnage. Oh, I'll, I'll hook you guys uh, up. I'll hook you guys yeah. up. Sway is great. I love yeah, him. He's loves, great. I'll hook you guys Sway. up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sabrina Carpenter. Awesome. Voice. Yeah. Asap Ferg. Hype. Death by Romy. Emo. <laughs> imagine, imagine Dragons. Rockers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's good. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, I I love I'm I'm a huge fan now. You made a huge fan. So yeah. to me oh, appreciate that, man. Thank to you. me, what I love about this is I get to meet really cool people who are doing great things. And if I'm a fan, what I love is it's it's just like my products. If you like them, you're going to tell somebody else. And I'm a real, I'm a fan now. And the beauty is I just gave you another fan, which is my daughter and now her best friend. That's the fun part of all of this yeah, is I like you that. build this, you build this. And I, I just think you guys are great. I love the music. I love the sound. Um, on my seven mile walk tomorrow, I'll be listening to you all morning. So I wish you all Amazing. the success. Anything I can do for you, anything. We got a nice big network in the music space. So anything I can do, please ask. I don't want anything. I'm just happy to make any intros, but I wish you all the success. Stay healthy. Keep drinking if you do. And uh, keep oh, yeah. making music. Keep making music, all right? Appreciate it, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a good night. I got you guys coming in. Hold on. Did I lose them?
Wait a minute. Hold on, everybody. Hold on, everybody. We're waiting for Nick and Rob. Give it a second. I'll get Wiz on. I should get Wiz on for the guys. I should get Wiz on. There we go. Here we go. Guys. Yo. What's happening? What up? You, know, you want to hear something funny? Can you guys can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. So I have a 21-year-old daughter, and I said, you got to listen to these guys. She never listens to me. She never listens to me. I said, you got to hear them. I asked her and her best friend. They're listening. They're watching right now. And I sent them. I sent them a whole bunch of songs, and she's like, "Oh my god, I really like these guys." That's awesome. Oh my, is is that still a good feeling today when you hear like somebody? That's the best feeling. Does it mean anything? Does it mean is it any different today than it was two years ago, a year ago, three years ago? No, it's it's the same. I feel like that feeling never. It's like that feeling never gets diminished. I was well. Hold on. Let me let me start over. So I'm I'm Brett. So you, your fans know who I am. I own a bunch of liquor brands. I don't know if you've ever heard of my past brands: Ace of Spades, Doucet. My current brands: Bel Air, Bamboo. I get yeah. to do this. I started this interview series a few years ago called Self Made, where I get to interview cool people in music and sports, in acting, business. Who I want to hear the up and coming part of their story. I don't like the success side because. I think everyone just sees that part, but they don't know how you got there. And uh, But I start off the same way every time for both of you when I ask the question, uh, Nick and Rob, what does self-made mean to you? I mean, to me, that's like being your own boss. Nobody, you know, you're in control of your, your own destiny. Um, you know, being able to dictate what you want to do day in and day out and nobody telling you what to do. Rob, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I think having the ability to kind of, you know, decide our own schedule and work on what we like, what we want to work on and do the shows that we want to do is like, it just having everything in our control and um, having like that is like what for us is like how, you know, I consider us being self-made and doing it on our doing it on our own merit and our, on our own work. And I think that's like a lot to be said is, you know, we put in a, a lot of a work and hours and to get to where we are. So I think like, you know, doing the work by with each other is, has gotten us to where we are. So take that. And the, one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you guys is usually I'm talking to one person. You guys have to agree. You have to, you have to gel. How did you guys come together? How did that happen? I think that's, what's the craziest thing about our particular situation. Um, we met through a mutual friend. We were both 
doing music in different ways separately um, out in LA. And uh, like I was working at a studio producing music for other artists and Rob was DJing parties in LA. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to a point in my life where I was like, I'm kind of tired of making music for other people because I can't control what they do with it. Like I can produce a song for somebody else, but what they do with it is up to them. So I, when DJing was blowing up and like these producers were blowing up online, I was like, yo, I, I'm gonna just, this is a way for me to put out my own music. I can get a singer, I can get somebody to come in, make it how I wanna make it and put it out on my own. And not have to worry, I can control my own destiny and control my own artistry. And so when I like realized that, I also, I just didn't know how to DJ. I knew how to make music, but I didn't know how to DJ. And that's where I met Rob. And uh, we met and we're like, you know, we talked a little bit about what we wanted to do. And uh, I, we met on his birthday at a party and I told him, and then we met up the next night, he came to my house and I had a little studio set up in my house and we just like talked music. I played him some stuff I was working on at the time. We were making remixes and I was like, yo, I kind of have this vision. I kind of have this plan. Uh, you know, this is where I want to go with it. And we both agreed to like, team up and we're like yo it's probably better with two of us than just one of us so let's team up and do it together and uh we started working but it's crazy because we started a friendship we started a business we started this brand this music all at the same time and rarely does that like ever work out like because you know one part of that usually doesn't work out right, like, correct and, and mixing friendship and business at the same time you know how that goes like that's always always can be a disaster sometimes so like the fact that it's worked out, it truly feels like as cliche as it is meant to be because, you know, we, we've worked for six years nonstop and we literally, I feel like, bounce off each other the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to ask, it's been six years now? Yeah. Six years, yeah. yeah. What was, um, Nick, you mentioned, because I'm curious, you mentioned you didn't like the fact that you created music for other people. Is it because you didn't like what they were doing with it? Meaning, like, your control on it? Yeah, I just felt like I had a limited, I had limited power, limited control on, like, making something for somebody. I also was very controlled on, like, what that's supposed to sound like. Like, I didn't get, you know, it's, you're very dictated on what that artist wants. And that's a, you know, that's a good thing. I like making music when it, the time's right for other people. But I, at that particular time, and, and for six years now, have felt like we've been in the best position and this has been the best opportunity in music for like because you I always have to adapt whatever industry yeah. you're in you might have yes. to adapt and find new paths yep. to be successful and I feel like this was like the best of both worlds because producing you know when I was a young kid I wanted to play in bands and play live instruments and, so, and I played like drums guitar and piano and I thought I was going to be in a band but then when I started producing I'm like this is cool, but it's only behind the scenes. You're not getting that adrenaline rush of playing in front of a live crowd. And so doing this, it's like we get to produce the music that we want to make, mm -hmm. kind of push dance music where we want to go, but we also get to play the shows as well. And we get to seek out artists that we want on the songs as opposed to an artist seeking out a producer telling you what they want their song to sound like. What was, what was the first – I have so many questions on this. What was the first – success that you guys had what what happened that that made things move forward so i think what really helped us in the beginning is that we both had kind of a knowledge of what we had to do to you know level up in like the dj producer world like 
um, I was actually working in marketing at a radio station. Nick was working at a production school. So we were used to like cold emails um, yeah. and not afraid to hit anybody up when we first got started. So what we did in the beginning is we would put out these remixes and then we would just have a laundry list of emails of, you know, managers, radio show hosts, like anybody who would give us a chance to listen. And we did this um, remix for Disclosure's Latch and we put out, you know, an email blast and we decided to email the program director at BPM, Sirius Satellite Radio. And he got back to us and was like, oh my God, I love this. And then two weeks later, uh, he emailed again. He's like, the song's gonna play at 5 p.m. And one better is anytime we were gonna play Latch, we're gonna play your version of it. And it still plays till now. And this is when we had day jobs. So Nick and I are emailing like via our work emails, like freaking out that, you know, our song is gonna be on the radio that night. So like we went- <laughs> Isn't it, it's kind of strange that that's six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of old school when you think about it. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. It's, it's, you're talking a radio station. You're not talking yeah. SoundCloud and shit like that. No, it's, yeah, yeah. it's really crazy how quick things have changed. Like just so fast, you know, that's like that mentality of like sending emails. I feel like, you know, in six years ago, isn't a long time ago. Like that's gone, you know, like it's like, that whole mindset I feel like is gone. So I think we were kind of like the last of that generation of like SoundCloud so, people. What was, what was, what, what happened next after that? Um, it allowed us to play, like, I feel like what I was going to say is it was like, there's two sides to it. So like SoundCloud, we, we were building up a following, but that doesn't always translate into real fans and like yeah. fans that are going to come see you at a show or whatever. And so, um, when I feel like the radio thing happened, that really allowed us to really start playing shows, like to becoming a, a more of a name and like being able to, you know, we, we started doing, you know, we started to get calls from agents and like we started talking to managers and that really allowed us to kind of level up. Uh, whereas we were just like, you know, like in this industry, it's always like a manager will hit you up or agent or whatever. Oh, I'm just going to keep tabs on you guys to see if like you go anywhere on your own before I get involved. But then it was like when that happened, it sped the whole process up, allowed us to start getting show offers um, and, and start making money, making official remixes, which allowed us to bigger, you know, grow our following, get on Spotify, make money that way. It just opened so many doors for us to speed up to it just sped up the process a little bit i feel like where it would have taken us a little longer if that wouldn't if that moment didn't happen was the goal was the goal did you did you try to decide you know what i we want to do shows first we want to put out music first we want to do a collab for like was there a goal that you wanted to get to first or you kind of let it breathe and then figure it out from there yeah i think initially because the goals always change initially like I'd say my goal personally was like, let's, we got to get to original music. So it's like, these remixes are cool. Like this allows us to get fans uh, off the top because somebody's going to listen to a song they know, a remix of it versus us just throwing out like an original song of being a nobody. Nobody's going to want to click on that sure. and listen to that. Um, so it was like, all right, these remixes are cool. We can make money doing this um, from labels and stuff. But let's get to that let's build up enough of a fan base to where we can have a foundation to put out an original song um because then we can start to tell our own story versus 
helping you know grow somebody else's story because it's kind of like what we we're talking in the beginning it's like yep. we do a remix for an artist a big artist we're just continuing to grow their brand yeah. you know it's like we're, just yep. Yep. we're just piggybacking that so it's like how can we get to a point where we're telling our own story and then it was also to you know our first goal was to quit our full-time jobs yeah we, that were, was the... we were working nine to five and then making music from seven to two in the morning we were always late to work like i don't know how we didn't get fired sooner yeah. uh you know we worked for maybe a little less than a year we were at our day jobs and then we were able to quit and do it full time and that was like that was a big stepping stone in being able to just like be able to you know to be able to grow our brand and, and be able to did you both entirely. did you both quit at the same time yeah, right, right. Well, right. I got, to be fair, I got fired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, we were done. Like, Nick had just quit, and I was, like, trying to stay on through the new year, but we had shows down in, like, the Bahamas, and I kind of got caught saying, like, I was sick, and then people saw that I was in the Bahamas, and that was the end of that. <laughs> but luckily, luckily, we were already, you know, done and ready to move on. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were you guys, was it, it, I'm assuming it wasn't like, you know what, we're making enough money, now let's quit. There's got to be that time lag where like, you know what, we got to, we can't do, we, you can't do both at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, work yeah, that yeah. way. It was, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, you got to just bet on yourself at that point. Like, it was like, cool, we, we think we can make enough money. We have enough shit lined up, coming up, you know. We're like, we, I think we can do this and we don't have a choice. There's things getting in the way. It's like tr playing shows. It started to get to a point where we're playing shows Friday and Saturday night and then having to come back to a day job on Monday, working in an <laughs> office work. is like, yo, like nah. I can't be wearing a suit and tie yeah. and we just like, yeah. we just played like Vegas. Like, yeah. no, this can't happen. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you guys remember your first show? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Our Where? first show was... Where was so that? the first our first show together was well we kind of did a couple shows but like the first real one was at this place called Sharky's in Hermosa Beach and it's like this little dive bar and um kind of going back to the cold email thing like we were hitting people up on Facebook who we knew worked at bars and like little clubs that we could maybe get in and so they gave us like a spot uh they used to do these parties on Sunday where like the day would turn into this like nighttime party we're like yeah we're not gonna pay you We'll give you some free drinks and we went down there and like legitimately played like as hard as we could for like that one hour while people just ate tacos like nobody was ready we were going ham um but they brought us back and then that kind of got you know let us get used to playing with each other and and being on stage together so um it worked it worked out do, do you remember I, I always get a kick out of this i remember uh um uh, I don't know if you know the artist, A Boogie with the Hoodie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I interviewed A Boogie down in Dallas, and he was just breaking to become big, bigger. And he's and I was talking to him, and you could see in his eyes, he was all nervous to call downstairs to find out how many people were going to show up at the show. Because he doesn't – he's never been to Dallas before. He's never been to Texas. Right. He has no idea if he's any fans. Yeah, yeah. But he was blown away. They're there. Like, yeah. was there that kind of feeling? Like, do people actually fucking know us? Oh, oh yeah. I, I feel like that feeling still happened. Like, this year, we kind of took a really big leap, like, pre-COVID and did hard ticket tours for the first I was time. Saying, last year, last year, we broke that. Last yeah. year, we broke that. We did two tours. 
broke that that like is there people going to be at the show they you know the 2018 and prior i feel like every show we were like are there going to be crossing our fingers are people going to be there you know oh yep. my god yeah um yeah it's last year i felt like we finally and that was like a big goal that was a major goal i can't wait like we always used to say i can't wait till we get to a point to where yep. no matter where we play whenever we play that we're gonna have fans there and yeah thankfully we've gotten to that point and like, was there something was there something that happened that that got you to that point or just you know you just you you, you got to that tipping point where all of a sudden you know what it's happening yeah, I think we just got to that point. I think yeah. uh, we pushed our agents because we felt like we had a lot of younger fans that couldn't come to nightclubs. And with DJs and how agents approach, a D approach DJs, I say, you got to be playing nightclubs all the time. And, like, yeah. we do love to play nightclubs. It's cool. But we were getting hit up by so many fans that are like, yo, I'm, I'm not 21 yet. I can't come see you. And we got to a point at the end of 2018 where we're like, yo, we we have to do a venue tour where we can do 16 plus 17 plus i guarantee there's gonna be people at the shows and i can guarantee that everybody on our team doubted whether this was a good move or not and we bet on ourselves to be able to do that and we ended up selling out the tour so like you know that was a moment where it was like i knew if we did this there would be people that show up and sure enough that was the case is is that for me for me on even in my business that's the hardest part is i have to follow where our where i think our consumer is where everyone else is saying no 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 you know you got to do it this way this is the normal way this is who you go after but you're following the people who like you and you know that's going to work that way right yeah, yeah exactly it is um it could could you pick your could you pick your fans out of a lineup i think like we have an idea of who listens to us but then we always get surprised by even like people who like certain songs or you know we see singing in the crowd is like oh my god like did you see like so and so singing or like we have some football player friends who like you know they'll get up on stage and are singing every song like you know it's like it's weird um so like you can never be too sure who your fans are, but we're definitely getting an idea of like what our demo is for sure. It, uh, do you have uh, fans internationally? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Where's Where's your biggest international fan base? Oh man, I mean, I mean, I I feel like it's pretty well spread out. But when we just went to Japan last summer. <laughs> And that was, like, the first time where, like, you know, even outside of the States, like, people recognized us in the streets, knew our names. Like, you know, oh, they messaged us, messaged us on social media saying they saw us here or there, which we were, like, kind of taken back because we had never been over there before. So, like, we weren't – we really didn't know what to expect. And so, like, the, you know, the welcoming arms over there was kind of mind-blowing to see, like, what type of effect our music has had, like, in places that we've never been. I would say too. Uh, we j just found out uh, our new song is trending on Shazam in Germany. So and we've only played there once. Yeah, true. So, like that was found that out today. Which I'd now, now, would, if we didn't, if we didn't have COVID, would you be going to Germany right now and being like, "Let's go after this"? <laughs> I don't know about right now, but we'd definitely be going there. Uh, to probably, well, we probably would have already went because I feel like a lot of the Europe stuff is already, uh, you know, it's like end of summer you know, middle of summer, like that's yeah. when we usually are going overseas.
So, so how did how did how did, tell me about some of the collabs you've done, which are awesome? How, how did Wiz come about? We just asked. He was like at the top, like top of the list. Like he's just a legend, and you know we. I mean, I've always been a big rap music fan, and uh, he was always like a guy that I listened to. I mean, you know, and I thought he would be perfect for the song. The song was called Don't Kill My High. You know, we both smoke weed, and I know Wiz is like, he's like he's one, the of the, guy. He's one of the kings, bro. If there's a Mount Rushmore of weed smokers. It's That's right. He's super. on there. He's you on know? there. <laughs> so like, yeah. So, like, he was obviously at the top of the list, and you just you throw the ideas out there and you just never know if they're gonna they have to be into the song and want to do it and he happened to he happened to do it and it was yeah. just like kind of had he, heard, had he heard of you guys i i'm not even sure like i don't know and that, a lot of times it's just like throwing up a prayer hoping that you know maybe these guys get wind of the music but uh you know i feel like when they hear it they gotta you know those guys are smart they got they know like Oh hey, you know if I like this song, well, I'm gonna check these guys out and know if I want to associate my brand with theirs or right. my music with theirs. And you know he he did. He came through for us. So I, I that was just like to have those moments and have those collabs with him and ASAP and Ty, like Gashy, like all these guys. Like it shows that we're doing something right and like we've set out to make our music a certain type of way and. And people are paying attention to it and want to be a part of it. And that, I think, is the biggest testament to, like, what we're doing. Has it turned now where people are coming to you? It has. Yes. Yes. Can we, we want to do something with you. What can we do together? How can – is it – that's happening now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's happening. I is feel, it, like, over the, I feel like over the last year, like, artists have sent us, like, ideas. They're like, hey – you know, I wrote this, uh, would you want to do it? And instead, because sometimes the process is we're getting, we're working with writers and we, we write a song, produce it, and then we send it out to people that we want to cut it. But now we're getting songs sent to, um, you know, sent to us directly from artists that want to, you know, want us to do it. And that takes a lot of the, that process out of it, trying to find a feature where we can just work on the song, make it great with them and, and put it out. Is that a weird feeling? Like knowing they're coming, is it still, I don't know. I remember, I remember we used to get, uh, I tell this story, I would get checks in the mail from our distributors and I'd go to the bank and deposit them. And the fucking teller never looked at me. Like it was never enough. Like she'd never look at me. And I finally, I got like, the amount of checks was like $750,000 in deposits. And she finally fucking looked at me. Like that was a big moment, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, does it does it feel good knowing, like, man, it's happening. People are contacting us. We're, you know, it's it's coming a little bit easier now. We get to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your yeah. leverage is a big goal of mine. Like being able to have leverage, even with our own team, like and people in the industry, because like, you know, people want to tell you and give you their opinions and their thoughts on like what you should be doing. Yep. And how you should be making it. And that shit irritates me because like you're supposed to be a facilitator. You're not supposed to be somebody that's telling me creatively what to be doing. Like that's not how this shit works. And so that part of it, when we we're starting to reach, I feel like a point where people are paying attention and people are not, you know, letting us have more leverage on what creatively we should be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, like when it comes to making music videos, when it comes to, you know, a lot of people want to shoot down your ideas because they don't think you're ready. And it's like, well, no, 
you know, if you just believed us from the start, then, you know, because they'll always come back around. Yeah. And that kind of shit's really annoying because, like, you know, because well, it's easy to get affected when somebody shoots down your idea and they're just like, yeah, yeah. this isn't a good idea when you put so much time into it. And so to yep. see them like turn around so quick, be like, oh, it's actually good. It's like, you know, lucky we push through because, you know, it's easy to like kill someone's idea when you shoot them down so negatively. Correct. Well, I've got a fundamental view is I, I think my self-made thing is I I want to be the one that fucked it up. I don't want anybody else to fuck it up for me. I want to be the fall guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Um, um, what was I going to ask? The, the, uh, what was I going to ask? I forgot. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to ask. So what, what's next for you guys? What's the next goal? What's the next, what do, what do you want to accomplish next? Oh, man. It, oh. Well, it's tough. So we set out a, a lot of goals for 2020, obviously, pre-COVID. And it was yeah. like doing, you know, getting Coachella and getting some of these EDC, these big festivals that we had never played before. Uh, and we got them. So that, those are like big notches. But now we have to push them to 2021. So I think one of the goals is now bettering our time slots in, in all those festivals, like with this music that we're putting out now, um, is – really using this time to grow into 2021. Uh, we hadn't put anything out for a while. So now that we are, uh, and it's like everything is, we just never settle. So it's just kind of taking those next steps. Like, you know, we really wanted to play Coachella, but now we want to play Coachella at night. Or, you know, we're taking like yep. incremental, incremental steps in our career and just little goals. I think for- I, I uh, Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say, I think like, the most important thing and the, the larger goal is to like push dance music forward mm-hmm. because I, I, it's just so many guys that have like stay, you know, gotten stagnant and people have this, I feel like dance music is in like disarray right now. There's like so many things, you know, different genres and different things going on. And I think for us, like being at that top, top level of dance artists and being able to dictate what dance music should sound like is a big goal, you know, like, we want to be like legends when it's all said and done and that we curated what should be played or what should be dance music, you know? So when someone asks you, if I ask, what is your style? What's your answer? What's your genre of music? I, I, to me, I don't, I always say no, like we don't ever think of genres. And I think that's like um, kind of a problem when people think about music, like are so quick to write off a certain genre but there's so many cross, cross things happening with features and collabs more than there ever has. And for us, it's all about, all about keeping it unpredictable and the emotion that we put into a song and into a production. I feel like, like I never work on music unless I'm feeling good. Just because I feel like in our environment, making dance music, it's all about feeling good. And it's all about helping people escape. And I feel like if I put a, the right energy into the production, people are going to, that energy is going to translate, whether it's like a, pop song it's a dance song it's a rap song it's like whatever it is because i feel like blending the two and as much as we can keep it unpredictable the more interested people are from song from release to release and so to me it's that emotion because when you listen to a song you always remember that 
how you were feeling and what moment of time that was. When you go back and listen to music that you listened to growing up or through the years, like that's the biggest thing about music to me, not genres, because they come and go and trends come and, come and go, you know? So when, when, when a label or someone says, you know what, do EDM, EDM's the big thing right now. What's your reaction to that? We don't listen. But even, I mean, again, um, uh, when it comes to music, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm a novice, but even listening to your music, what I like is every song is fucking different. Right. Like right. that's, a, I, I like that. Cause I'm not, it doesn't sound the same. It's a different, it's, it's all different. So even for you, Nick, to say, you know, dance music, I don't even think of your music as dance music. Like, yeah. like it's its own, each song is different. Yeah, and I just mean that in like a general sense. Like I think, you know, you saying that to me is like makes me feel the best on like and making me feel like we have we've uh, so far in our music have accomplished our goals because I, you know, I don't know like we didn't I didn't personally like start when I started producing music didn't start producing like electronic dance music. Like that I was just trying to make as the best music I could possibly make. And so that's really every time we approach a song, it's like, just how can we make this a, the best song it could possibly be? Mm -hmm. And we always start with a blank template, like just blank screen. Like, let's see how we can make something out of nothing and make it great and make people, you know, make people uh, feel it. Like, that's all I care about at the end of the day when we make a song. And that's why I think the beauty of us being producer artists is that we have the tools and the ability to use sounds and stay as creative as possible. If we were singers, we would obviously like, you know, we could sing on any type of track, but you're going to recognize our voice. As producers, we have to really try even harder to make you, you know, feel like this is a Lost King song, but also at the same time, use every tool at our disposal to make it different and make it unpredictable. Yeah. So where did the name Lost Kings come from? Um, so we're both originally from the East Coast and moved out to LA uh, around the same time. And we just kind of felt like when you move out to LA, you get lost in the shuffle. Like, you know, I moved out by myself and so did Nick and you kind of spend a year, you know, partying, not really knowing what you're doing and <laughs> get lost. Um, so we both kind of had that same story, but we also had similar goals. And like, you know, even though we, we got out here and kind of felt that way, we knew what we wanted to get accomplished. And it was kind of to be like, you know, kings of the, yep. our industry. So like Lost Kings, it just made sense for both of us. Who, who has anybody been there for the past six years for you guys? Yeah, basically, like our our managers right now, you know, they've been with us since the first remix. Honestly, um, they were like they were one of the few few people that responded and kind of kept an eye on us. And then when like the radio stuff happened and everything that expedited the process, but uh, them for sure, they've been involved since almost day one. Can you, do you appreciate that? The fact that they've been there, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Cause uh, yeah, they give us the ability to, you know, to, to discuss everything I feel like and have an open dialogue constantly on like what we're doing. Um, and they don't ever really restrict us and they allow us, yeah. you know, they allow creative freedom. I think is like one of the biggest things. So, and they've done that from the, from the jump. So who's on that who's who are some of your influences in music for both of you uh for me i'm like a big i grew up on punk rock 
punk rock and rap and why I love like this emo rap shit that's happening right now. It's like kind of the blend of two genres that I really grew up on. But I'm a big Kanye guy, big Blink-182 guy. Um, yeah, uh, that's pretty like a lot of my, I like, like the love this guy, Ryan Leslie. He was like one of my biggest influences in the studio because he was one of those guys that could play every instrument. He'd walk up in the studio. He, had, he used to post his YouTube videos online. He'd just walk up in the studio, play a keyboard, play the drums, you know, play a guitar. And, and I was like, yo, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to walk into a studio, play every instrument, lay it down and, and make a song. And that, that was like a huge influence on me. Rob, how about you? Yeah, I grew up like, so my mom was a huge alternative, like indie rock fan. So I grew up on like the talking heads and like the eighties rock. Love the talking heads. Yeah. So they're like, um, I always grew up with that kind of background, but then like influences now is I always kind of reference this one story. I'm a huge Coldplay fan and uh, my dad worked in radio back in like 2000 and uh, he brought me to like one of their first shows and they were the nicest people ever, you know, during their blow up, like bringing people on stage, really making feel, making everybody feel like they were friends. And that's kind of something that, you know, that has always rubbed off on me to, do what we do now is to keep that mentality. It's like, you don't get bigger than them. Yep. Um, you know, and, and how nice they were to just everyone. Um, is something that has always kind of stuck with me. So like in that type of influence, I always look to, to them because, uh, you know, the experience has still lasted with me till now. Very cool. All right. So guys, before we go, I do something uh, right at the end. I'm going to ask you 10 questions. Give me one word answers, just word association. Okay. okay. Gashi. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't have to give both. You don't both have to give an answer. Okay. Ty dollar sign. Okay. Ty dollar sign. Legend. Social house. Wait, what'd you say? Social house. Oh. Hi. 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 <laughs> well, uh, hold on. You may want to save that one for this one. Wiz Khalifa. Also high. Also high. All in conjunction. Higher. Higher. Yeah. Higher. 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 I like that. that, that I like that. That music video shoot was, was absurd. <laughs> yeah. It was absurd. Um, the 1975. Oh. My favorite. <laughs> Sway Lee. Done. Sway Lee. Small, <laughs> short. <laughs> hey, hey! Just on a side note, if you want to work with, you were a fan of Sway Lee, though, no? Oh, huge yeah. fan huge of Sway Lee. Yeah, yeah, I love. Have him. you met him? Yeah, no, brief. It was super brief. Uh, that show we played with Carnage. Oh, I'll, ho I'll hook you guys up. I'll hook you guys yeah. up. Sway is great. I love yeah, him. He's loves, great. I'll hook you guys Sway. up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sabrina Carpenter. Awesome voice. Yeah. ASAP Ferg. Hype. Death by Romy. Emo. <laughs> imagine, imagine Dragons. Rockers. Yeah. All right, that's good. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, I, I love, I'm, I'm a huge fan now. You made a huge fan. So yeah, to me, oh, appreciate that, man. Thank to you. me, what I love about this is I get to meet really cool people 
who are doing great things. And if I'm a fan, what I love is it's, it's just like my products. If you like them, you're going to tell somebody else. And I'm a real, I'm a fan now. And the beauty is I just gave you another fan, which is my daughter and now her best friend. That's the fun part of all of this. It's like you that. build this, you build this. And I, I just think you guys are great. I love the music. I love the sound. Um, on my seven mile walk tomorrow, I'll be listening to you all morning. So I wish you all Amazing. the success. Anything I can do for you, anything. We got a nice big network in the music space. So anything I can do, please ask. I don't want anything. I'm just happy to make any intros, but I wish you all the success. Stay healthy. Keep drinking if you do. And uh, keep oh, yeah. making music. Keep making music, all right? Appreciate it, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a good night.